What's up, everybody? Welcome back to episode 12 of the best podcast on the planet, Where To Next. I'm your host, Connor Doobie, and today I'm so excited, and I just can't hide it. Yeah, you know, I got I got some singing chops on me, but today, this episode will be the beginning of probably the most exciting thing that has happened in my life as far as travel goes up to this point. I started to introduce this in last week's episode. It's mine and Aaron's summer 2021 road trip across the United States. I've been waiting so long to introduce this to you all until, really until the timing felt right. Well, now I can say the timing feels perfect. Since I will be in my apartment in Duluth until this weather warms up, there is no better time to begin telling this story of the path Aaron and I chose for this last summer. It all kind of starts, I, I can't remember the exact dates, but in either March or April of this last year, Aaron was about to graduate uh, with her bachelor's degree in merchandising apparels and textiles, as you all know from the University of Kentucky. Her and her mom had been discussing what Erin would like to have as her graduation present. So they kind of talked about all different kinds of ideas, whether that be money or maybe a trip or just whatever the case may have been. They were talking about all these different ideas, and they were all over the place. And then one day, uh, the idea of the camper came along. So for background, Erin's mom, Deborah, had purchased a 17-foot camper trailer just a year prior during sort of the beginning part of the pandemic. So they, her um, and Aaron's stepdad and then their two sons, so Aaron's two stepbrothers, they had been going on just kind of small camping trips and stuff around the area in Kentucky, going to some smaller campgrounds and stuff. But it got to the point where Deborah didn't feel like she was using the camper as much as she would have liked to. They were just kind of unable. Um, Ty started playing baseball again, and timing just wasn't really right for it. And that's when Deborah thought instead of her keeping the camper, why not just give it to someone that she knew was going to use the camper? So that was the idea, giving the camper to Aaron and I so we could start traveling with it or going to campgrounds just because we we would probably put more use to it and what's what good does it do sitting in a driveway well at first Aaron was hesitant to say yes just basically for the fact that we we never had a camper or even thought about having a camper before and when you're faced with that kind of option you're like well hang on let me think about this for a second so me and Aaron kind of sat back and thought about it for a little bit And then after a little while, we decided that that was actually a really great idea and we'd love to have the trailer to travel with. It just made everything so much more convenient and you can carry a lot more belongings than you could just in your car if you were going to camp and stuff. So this kind of opens up this world of opportunity for us and we start looking at it that way. And right after we knew we were taking it, our minds just started racing with ideas about potential trips we could take or things we could do with the camper so naturally (laughs) I started studying maps and road routes because as you guys know I am a travel nerd and that's just kind of what I do in my spare time but after a little bit of doing that a brilliant idea had just hit me so as I just said we were in the months of at this point it's probably April and we were coming up on summer. It was Aaron's 
summer right before she was probably going to be getting a full-time job and it was my last summer in college so I thought why don't we take the entire summer and turn it into one massive road trip didn't really have any locations picked out at the time of thinking this it was just let's make it this big grand event that it, I mean it's like one last huzzah you're a you're you're 21 years old and what better way to do it than gallivanting around the country it sounds amazing doesn't it <laughs> Well, I asked Erin about what she thought of that idea, and um, since she loves travel just as much as me, she bought into that idea very quickly. It was not; it did not take a uh, a lot of convincing to get her to buy into that idea, which was awesome. And that's when we started kind of looking at different possibilities for road trips initially and this is still these are still goals of ours to this day but you I mean as you know we probably haven't done some of these because you'll recognize I haven't said anything about it but we kind of started pondering you know maybe the Pacific Coast Highway that's always been a dream of ours either going from San Diego to Seattle or Seattle to San Diego or maybe we go northeast and go to the New England area get all those states knocked out hit all the different national forests and mountain ranges and the Appalachian Mountains up there, maybe trying that out. And then ultimately that led us to where we finally landed and we kind of figured this was the most feasible option, which was going northwest of us and knocking out pretty much the entire Midwest, all the parks that are in that area, and getting all the way over to the mountains. And that's ultimately where we kind of landed on. I drew up a route on a map hitting all the stops I could basically think of. So national parks were pretty much the main focus of the entire trip. That kind of designated where we were going to go. That was the spots that we made sure we were going to hit. Kind of determining what what stops we were going to be at. And after showing Aaron that plan, we tweaked it multiple times. I mean, this was a, a process that, I mean, we knew it was going to take us a while. We It wasn't something that if we're going to go on a massive road trip, we've never done anything like this at all in our lives ever before. So we, we needed to have a pretty lockdown plan just so we were sort of prepared for the summer. Well, we made lots of tweaks. We cut stuff out, added stuff in where we thought we could basically giving ourselves a timeline of when we were going to be gone and then when we would be getting back to Kentucky at the very end of the summer. This sort of acted as an outline, and I mean now, looking back on it, at the time you think you need to have a very specific plan because like I just said, we've never done anything like this. You have no experience doing this, so how do you plan on doing this for an entire summer and basically having your whole life mapped out on uh, either a calendar or a spreadsheet? So I kind of had that outline. Looking back though, if I could do it again now, I would go very loose, but now I'm very seasoned and experienced in this aspect. So obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, and I'm speaking from a different perspective now. So if I were to go back and do it now, I wouldn't have such a specific plan, but for the time being and for the duration of the trip, really, it was a good idea to have that and really was successful. So when you have no idea what you're stepping into, that plan felt very necessary at the time. To show you all just how inexperienced both Aaron and I were, I 
had never even stayed in a camper before this time. Never, never went on a trip and stayed in a camper ever. I had never done it. So, and Erin had only done it a couple times and she was always with her family, never did it by herself. So this is a very new experience for both of us. Neither of us had ever pulled anything behind a car, backed anything up with a car, which if you all know anything about this is a completely different battle in itself. And we hadn't been to I'd say half the states that we were planning on going to. So no knowledge of the roads we we're going to be on, or I, n- not none of the roads, but primarily most of the roads we we're going to be on, we had no idea what we were stepping into, had no experience of actually operating and driving this this mobile home behind us, and had no idea how to use pretty much any of the parts on it at the, I mean, it just sounds crazy when I'm saying it back to myself, no experience doing any of that. Here we are, just two headstrong 21-year-olds with a dog and a dream. So after we locked down this plan that we were going to, like the the route that we were going to go on and how exactly we were going to do it, there was sort of this period in time where we were kind of stuck between telling our family and friends and I mean, I I guess there was just nerves to it because you never know how people are going to react and you want your family's approval for something like that, especially when it's a big deal in your life like that. I mean, summer 2021 changed my life forever and I wouldn't go back and change a thing. But before it even happens, and I'm trying to plan this out in my head, how I'm going to tell my family and how Anne's going to tell her family that we're not going to be in Kentucky for two months. We're, I mean, we are going to be off the grid, probably without service about, I'd say, more than 50% of the time. And just going about that, having to think about that and the weight that it really put on me. I mean, you could ask Aaron. Aaron is not in this episode, unfortunately. But I mean, it, it was a it was a big thing to have to reach out and tell your family. And I mean, those are some long phone calls that you have to have and basically explaining everything that I, that we've thought out. And at this point, me and Aaron already had the whole plan planned out. It was completely laid out before we even chose to tell a single person. That's probably the people that listen to this that are in my family. That's a, probably the a first time you're ever hearing me say that. But yeah, I mean, that was a, that was a big deal and I'm glad I did it and I'm glad they all understood. Everyone took it really well and now we look back on it and we have conversations about it. So it worked out really well and there, there was a period in time, I don't know how long exactly it was, but there was a period in time where we didn't tell anybody just because we were really trying to hone in on what exactly we're doing and our plan for it all. And a lot of you especially if you don't know us, are probably wondering how in the world did you guys afford this? Two 21-year-olds that were in college at the time and Aaron was just on the doorstep of graduating. How in the world did you afford two months on the road going from place to place? Well, very good question. So Aaron and I, during our college tenures, both worked pretty much the entire time. Um, I had a job as soon as I went in my freshman year at UK and worked. I I changed jobs one time in there. And then when I came back from the trip, I changed jobs again. But I started out at UPS my freshman year, did that basically to the entirety of the entire freshman year. Right at the end of freshman year, I got a job at Dick's Sporting Goods. That summer, I started in May of 2019 
at Dick's and I worked at Dick's for a very long time. Just before we went on our summer road trip, I decided that I was done with Dick's and I was going to move on to something else. And it just so happened that I was going to take a trip before I went back into anything else. So Aaron and I both decided that we had saved up enough money during our time working and being in school that we would be able to split this trip 50-50. So the way it worked was Aaron opened up an account. She opened up a new card with her bank. And basically, we both sent checks to this account with half and half the amount that would work out for the entire summer. And we used that card for basically every purchase for campgrounds, for... Uh, gas for food every essential thing that you would need on the road that card was used and it worked out it pretty much I think we were almost exactly out of money at the very end of the road trip so that worked and that's how we afforded it hard work up to the point of when we left for the trip so that is how I can answer that question before we left on the trip we so as you all know we got the camper from Deborah. And since we were going to be living in it for two months, we decided that we really wanted to make the camper space, so the living space and the bed and basically everything inside the camper, we wanted to make it our own and make it feel like a home to us because you don't want to be on the road for two months and feel like you're in something that's just, it doesn't have any homey feel to it. So I think it was two weeks prior to us leaving We had the camper in Aaron's grandparents' driveway, and we stayed there and basically renovated the camper over the course of that two weeks. Spent every day in the camper painting it. We did essentially a full remodel, and I will post pictures on my Instagram of that remodel, maybe even post a video because we did multiple time lapses of us doing painting because we found it satisfying (laughs) to, to watch the paint literally be not there and suddenly get on the walls it was cool it was cool to see and cool to do and I mean it was a complete 180 for the camper I mean completely changed the look of it and it was really cool so that was why we left from Elizabethtown instead of Lexington was because that was where the camper was at the time because we were renovating it and then uh, a couple days uh, I'd say starting probably about a week before we left Me and Aaron, like I told you guys just a little bit ago, had no knowledge of how to use, drive, operate this camper whatsoever. Literally zero. None. So we had to, we got a hitch hooked up to our car, the Nissan Pathfinder, uh, named Nickel, in case you all didn't know. You have to name your car. Come on now. Like, everyone's got to name their car. But, so we spent this time uh, learning how to basically use every part of the camper The hardest part of that being backing it up, and as you all know, if you're going into a campground, I would say probably 90% of the campgrounds you go to or you will ever be at, you have to be able to back the camper into the camp spot. It's a, like, you, you pull forward and then turn the camper to where you back into a straight line. This whole training period... Um, we went to ECTC, Elizabethtown Community Technical College, and went to their parking lot. It was probably the biggest parking lot you could you could find, and we took some cones and basically just worked on backing the trailer in, re- like literally repetitions. It's like practice out here. We're practicing backing it into these spots in between the cones, and literally, I mean, I can't even tell you how long we stayed out there, hour or two. It started raining on us, and we were still doing it. 
Um, and that all came to a culmination where we decided we would take a trip at, to a campground and we would stay there for, uh, did we stay there for, I think it was just, uh, I can't remember if it was one night or two nights, but we went to Nolan River, stayed there. I backed into the camp spot and <laughs> it didn't really prepare me, I guess, at Nolan because the, uh, the campground that I backed into was literally a straight line. I didn't even have to turn the camper at all. And that's the hardest part is because everything on your steering wheel on how you would normally back up is opposite when you have a trailer hooked up to you. You have to, in order to get the trailer to turn left, you turn your wheel left. If you want it to turn right, you have to turn your wheel right. It's It really messes with your head. But once you figure out how to do it, it's not that hard. But when you're starting out, I mean, this is a different ball game, And... So we went to Nolan, had a lot of fun. We just kind of fished, did did the whole camping thing that you would do at a normal campground. And that was just to get our feet wet, living in this camper, seeing what it was like, seeing if there was any issues that we needed to fix before we left. Because this was, I'd say, three days probably before we left on our trip. So it was more so just learning how to use the camper, seeing if there's any technical difficulties, what we needed to change. And we learned a lot from that trip. That was a very smart idea to do that right before we left. Um, We actually ended up having to buy another hitch, which was way more expensive than the first hitch um, because our camper was sitting too low and the chains would drag on the ground. And it was super terrible on our gas mileage on the car, super terrible on the car itself. So had to get a whole new hitch and it was this really complex apparatus that kept the camper up it had like chains that would hold it up off the ground it was really cool definitely worth that extra money that we paid for that it was very nice to have and really saved us this summer I mean if we would have gone out and done it the way we had it initially oh man it would have been a some bad news (laughs) and we probably would have had a lot of issues and it would have made the summer miserable so I'm really glad and appreciative of that uh, that new uh, hitch that we put onto it. After we got back from Nolan, we were pretty much set. We took the next couple of days to. We showed all our family members the camper. We took them all to like kind of show them around inside of it, show them what all we had done before and after pictures, and they all loved it. Well, we took the next couple of days, relaxed a little bit, and then we were on our way and we took off for the summer. Here's where I want to introduce a new piece of this podcast, that being trivia. I sort of mentioned this in an idea uh, in my last episode, and I have decided I'm going to move forward with this. If you guys know me at all, you will know that I am a trivia just like maniac. I love that stuff. Trivia crack. Oh, man. Just like I love games like that. I just love trivia. So it's a part of me. So I want to. I mean, naturally incorporate it in my podcast. I, I really, that's that's something I really like to do. And I think it incorporates a form of engagement from me to you as an audience. So basically the way I see this working is in between each sort of, I guess you could say segment or part of the show, I'm going to ask a trivia question that pertains to the topic I am talking about in that segment. It will only be questions that I know the answer to, so I'm not going to ask you anything that I don't know myself. With each trivia question, I will lead off asking the question, giving you five seconds to answer that question, then give you the answer, and no pausing to look up answers because that would be cheating. However, if you do need more time to think than that allotted five seconds, you can pause to do so. 
At the end of the show, you will tally up how you did on all the trivia questions asked. Sound like a plan? Good. So since this first episode is taking place on the road, here is question number one. In 1956, the Federal Aid Highway Act established that 41,000 miles of interstate highways that span all across the nation would be funded primarily by the federal government. Who was the president that passed this act? The answer is Dwight D. Eisenhower. Did you get that one right? I know that one was a little tough, but now you know. Stay tuned to hear trivia question number two. Okay, so part one of this road trip. So we're on the road now. And the way I want to do this is basically take you guys on the roads that me and Aaron drove on to get to this to each location so this one will have three parts in it each episode will just be determined how many miles were in each one i want to kind of walk you along the interstates we took or the highways we took just whatever the case may have been the big cities we went through or went past the colleges in those cities all the different fun things that you might look at on the road whenever you're going from place to place so we started off on I-65. I-65 touches Elizabethtown directly. So we started on I-65 and drove on it. We The first big city you get through on I-65 is Louisville. And Louisville, Kentucky is, I'd say, probably 35 to 40 miles from Elizabethtown. As you all know, Louisville is home to the Louisville Cardinals. It is the biggest city in the state of Kentucky, one of the largest cities in the entire country as a whole. Uh, Metropolitan area, I think it's probably top 20. I'm not exactly sure. I know it's at least top 25, but I don't know the exact number. But they have well over a million people in Louisville, Kentucky. I've been there so many times. I did a part of my uh, Farewell Kentucky episode. I did talk about some of the things in Louisville. But... That was the first city we go through. You stay on I-65 North. Um, you go through th- that right after Louisville. You cross over into Indiana. Go through a couple small towns. I fun fact about me: I was actually born in Clarksville, Indiana, which is the first town on the other side of the river from Louisville. So I am a Hoosier baby. I didn't live in Indiana for any part of my life, but that's where my mom's doctor was, and that's where I was given birth to. So. That is a fun fact about me. But you stay on I-65 North. um, You keep going. You go through Edinburgh, which is where the Edinburgh Outlet Mall is. That's another cool shopping place that you can go to. Stay on that all the way until you get up to Indianapolis. So from E-Town to Indianapolis, that is about a two and a half hour drive. When you're having a camper behind you, you do have to drive slower. I'd say you probably go anywhere from... If the speed limit's 70, I mean, you probably go 70. I mean, that's you probably stay the speed limit. Uh, sometimes maybe a little under. You're primarily in the right lane if you're doing it right. I would say there are some people that go fast, and that's when you'll start seeing their trailer sway and stuff. So that's another thing that you kind of have to learn to, to work with whenever you're on the road with a trailer, especially if it's something new to you. But So we get up to Indianapolis, and you actually don't go through Indianapolis whenever you were on the route we were going on. We didn't go through it. You get on I-465, which is a 
basically it's a circle interstate around Indianapolis to get you from going directly into the city. Saves you from having to do the whole traffic thing, especially with the camp. You're really gracious of roads like that. They keep you away from a lot of the traffic. Indianapolis is one of those places where most of the time when you do go through, you at least kind of come into some... I wouldn't say tr- like heavy traffic, but you get into where areas where it's more condensed and everything is kind of congested. And uh, yeah, so we get on I-465. You basically take that on the western side of Indianapolis until you get to I-74. There is an exit that on I-74, I'm pretty sure the cities that it takes you towards is um, Champaign-Urbana and Peoria. You basically take I-74... Uh, it's kind of like a northwestern road. I would say it's not really east to west, but uh, you get on 74, take that, and then you cross over into Illinois. So at this point, we've been into Kentucky, Indiana, Illinois. Didn't stay in Indiana for that long. I mean, me and Aaron, we've traveled to Indiana just by itself. We've gone to Indianapolis before and didn't really see any, it wasn't fitting for the trip for us to stop there, especially with a camper, and it was really early in the morning, just didn't really make sense at the time, crossed over into Illinois, where I think the first town is Danville, Illinois, and then the first bigger city, this is a college town, is Champaign-Urbana, which I just said, but the University of Illinois is in Champaign-Urbana, I have stayed here when I was little before, but again, not really a reason to stop on the road. Um, just doesn't really make sense, especially when you have a camper behind you to do that. And you keep going kind of like, again, at this northwestern um, route. And the next bigger city, you kind of come across Illinois. If you all have driven through Illinois, this is just a little preface. Illinois is very clustered with kind of just cornfields and it's sort of a boring state to drive through same thing with indiana nothing no hate to those states because i mean iowa is one of my favorite states to go to and it is packed with corn so no hate to them but it is a little bit of a boring drive not a whole lot happens on the drive after champagne urbana you go maybe an hour or so down the road and then you come to this really cool wind field or a wind farm where all of these um windmills are taking up these fields it's really cool to see there are i mean miles of them miles i mean you drive probably i'd say 20 to 25 miles down the road and you're still passing windmills it's kind of crazy while you're still going past the windmills there is the next i'd say larger metropolitan area would be the area of normal illinois and that is connected to bloomington illinois that is where illinois state university is uh, you go there, Th- even on our trips up to Duluth, this is kind of a sidebar, but uh, if you want to avoid going to Chicago on your way up to Duluth, you can go on I-74 to Normal and then change your direction and go straight north from Normal, and that will get you to Duluth, and it's kind of about the same amount of time, keeps you out of Chicago, so you don't risk getting into that traffic at all. And then from Normal, you're still in that wind farm field. I mean, it just goes on forever, it seems like. Uh, you keep going northwest, and eventually you get to Peoria, Illinois, which is a, I'd say, pretty big city, about 200 or so thousand people. That is home to Bradley University, the Bradley Braves. Um, uh, I've only maybe stopped in Peoria a couple times. Normally, it's just a, a rest stop area. We go get gas or maybe get some dinner because by the time you're getting up towards Iowa, Peoria is, you're, you're getting there. You're almost there. You're almost to the Iowa border. 
from Peoria, you keep going up until you get across the Iowa border. So right whenever you get up to the Iowa border, you're directly next to the Quad Cities. If you all don't know what the Quad Cities are, that is, so there's two cities in Iowa, two in Illinois. On the Illinois side, there is Rock Island and Moline. That is two parts of the Quad Cities. And the other two on the Iowa side of the border are Davenport and Bettendorf. The Quad Cities are, I would say, a pretty good-sized metropolitan area. Again, probably 200 to 250,000 people. There is a minor league baseball team in the Quad Cities, and I cannot remember. I mean, minor league baseball teams have obscure names anyway. I can't remember the name of them. I guess the nickname. And right when you get north of the Quad Cities, you don't go into the Quad Cities. You kind of, again, just kind of go around them, right past them. Uh, You go on to I-80. I-80, if you all don't know, is home to the world's largest truck stop. This is just to the west of the Quad Cities. Um, Aaron and I did stop here on this trip. I think we got gas here, which with a camper, it made a lot of sense because there are, I mean, thousands and thousands of trucks at this truck stop. It, the truck stop is crazy. I I'll have to see if I have pictures and I'll post those, but I mean, they have, a a dog wash, a truck car wash. They have this like mega plaza that has all different kinds of restaurants, Wendy's, um, they have a blimpy. They have, oh, I mean, literally, like you name it, they probably have it. It's it's literally it's the world's largest truck stop. It's kind of crazy, and it's right in the middle of nowhere, Iowa. Like, I mean, of all places, but it's it's really cool. Aaron and I stopped there on this trip, and this is when you're starting to get close to my grandpa's house, which I have talked about in previous episodes. You stay on I-80 West. You go past the northern part of Iowa City. I think you drive right past North Liberty. And then from I-80, you go maybe a couple more miles west of Iowa City, and then you go north onto I-380. 380 takes you straight up to Cedar Rapids and Marion, Iowa, which is where we were calling home for the next two days on our trip, and that would mark the first stop on our road trip. This was just, it it worked out to where it was on our route, and we had a free stay at my grandpa's house. I mean, whenever you're planning on going on a really long road trip like that, staying somewhere for free is very appealing, and it was really nice. So we stayed there for two nights, and if you all want to know more about that area of Iowa, the Cedar Rapids, Marion, Iowa City area of Iowa, if you refer back to episode eight on this podcast, you can hear all about that. I talk all about the fun stuff to do in the area. Really cool. Go check that out if you haven't already. And yeah, that was that part of our trip. Here is the second trivia question of this episode. Question number two. What crop does the state of Iowa rank first nationally in the production of? There's actually three correct answers to this question. If you said corn, soybean, or wheat, you are correct. Did you get that one right? That one I made a little bit easier since the first question was pretty tough, I will admit. But stay tuned for the third trivia question of this episode. So leaving Marion, Iowa on, I think this is June 12th. So we left for the trip on June 9th, or no, Yeah, so June 9th, got there June 9th, June 
10th and then okay so this is june 11th on june 11th we started going north again so we get back onto i-380 leaving cedar rapids the first sort of i'd say bigger area on i-380 is the cedar falls waterloo area in iowa and that is where the university of northern iowa panthers is home of um, you go on 380, you go just northwest of Waterloo, and then you get onto State Highway uh, 218, which then turns into Highway 18, and that basically just takes you on a more, I'd say, western pattern than you were previously going, and that sends you over through um, Mason City, Iowa, Nashua, Iowa, on this road, Oh, let me totally go back. In that last part, I completely forgot. But in the last part in Illinois, I wanted to say this. Our check engine light came on to the camp or onto the car after we had been pulling the camper for maybe four and a half hours. So that happened around just after Champaign-Urbana. I completely forgot to say that before. But our check engine light came on and it did not go off. We were still at my grandpa's house with the check engine light on. Before we left Cedar Rapids that morning, we went to an auto zone and had them do a free check to see what the check engine light was. It said it was the O2 sensor in our car. At the time, me and Aaron really had no idea what the O2 sensor did or what it was. So we were like, oh, God, we're into the first day of our trip and we already have a check engine light on. Like, this is horrible. Well, come back to present where I'm talking. So we're on 218 on to 18. You go past a city called Janesville, Iowa, where we stopped and got a Casey's breakfast pizza. Oh, those go crazy. Trust me, if you're ever at a Casey's general store and have the opportunity to get their breakfast pizza, please do it and tell me how you feel about it because I love that. Well, we got gas at that same Casey's and guess what? The check engine light went off. We didn't even have to change anything or do anything with the with the car. I mean, we literally just put gas in it and next thing you know, the light was off. So that worked. Um, continue forward we're on to highway 18 at this point and we are connecting at just past mason city iowa and we come to i-35 which is a north and south interstate Uh, another thing if you all don't know north and south interstates are odd numbers even numbered interstates are east and west so that is a bit of information if you didn't already know that um i know not everyone might But from I-35, basically, that's whenever we first crossed into Minnesota. And now you all know I'm actually living in Minnesota. I live in Duluth. But uh, at the time, this was the first time I'd ever driven through the state of Minnesota. This was a first for me. And let me tell you, there are lots of lakes. You go from... You go from Iowa where there's lots of cornfields and then you cross over to Minnesota, tons of lakes, still cornfields, still some farm fields and stuff, but lakes are everywhere. I mean, it's the land of the lakes. You go on I-35, you basically stay north on that and you take that all the way until you get to Minneapolis and we pretty much drove right through the center of Minneapolis when we went there. Uh, You kind of take a, once you get to Minneapolis, you're still, I mean, it's just a big city. I mean, it's sort of like Indianapolis, except Minneapolis, I feel like it took us closer to the middle. We weren't in downtown ever, never saw like the Target Center or Target Field or um, the Excel Energy uh, Arena, none of that. 
when you're in Minneapolis, you get on a one, another one of those 400 interstates, got onto I-494, kind of did that same western side of the city uh, till we got up to the northwestern side of Minneapolis. And from I-494, as you could maybe guess, we got onto I-94, which was a northwestern road, took us literally straight across the state of Minnesota, and put us on the northwestern side of Minnesota, where we finally camped for our first night away from family in Glendon, Minnesota, which is directly east of Fargo, North Dakota, which we were kind of trying to stay right next to Fargo, like that was the checkpoint of the of the the day and we stayed at a campground called buffalo river state park in minnesota for just the one night and this was the first time i had to park the camper in a spot that was rather difficult (laughs) to back it into and frustration levels got high aaron was out of the car telling me i was good and i was about to jackknife it just was a whole escapade my face was probably red i was flustered I eventually got it. We were still kind of crooked. Our water pipes were like pulled to full extension at this point. And we stayed there for the night. It was a really beautiful park. Beginning of summer, uh, had a beautiful sunset. You were right next to the Buffalo River. Uh, just really cool. It was a really cool experience. And this was, um, I mean, our first campground on the road trip. So it was kind of monumental for us. I mean, we hadn't stayed in the camper outside of Kentucky. When we went to Iowa, we stayed in the house, obviously, at my grandpa's house. So it was a it was a really cool experience, and we really liked it. So Glendon, Minnesota was the stop of that night, and that's where we would pick up the next day. The third trivia question of the day has to do with the state of Minnesota, my new home. Question number three. This is a true or false question. True or false. The Mississippi River, the third largest river in the world, starts from the waters of Lake Superior, the largest freshwater lake in the world. The answer is false. Even though you would think the two connect since they are both so massive, the Mississippi River's headwaters begin in Lake Itasca, a small glacial lake that is only about 1.8 square miles. That one was tricky, and I only learned that fact rather recently. So how are you doing so far? We will do one last trivia question after this last section of Interstate. So wake up the morning of June 12th in Glendon, Minnesota, and this is where we basically take off from Minnesota and we cross directly over into North Dakota and enter its largest city of Fargo. Fargo, North Dakota, we that is home to North Dakota State University Bison. Um that is a family friend of ours uh, went to North Dakota State. He recommended a taco shop in Fargo. So, and it's literally called Taco Shop. That <laughs> I, I'm not even exaggerating. But we stopped there. We got some tacos. That was really good. Um, yeah. So we went through, stayed on I-94. Uh, went through Fargo. You go through West Fargo. And then you're basically on I-94, no, literally, you're not even basically, you are literally on I-94 straight across the state of North Dakota, literally east to west. It's a straight line, goes straight across the state. Um, This was the first time either Aaron or I had been in the state of North Dakota. We had never done that before, so that was another really cool experience to have. 
on after Fargo, you're kind of just going through. Uh, I don't. It's not even cornfields. It's more just like fields. Like you're just on farm fields and going straight across the state. This was actually our shortest drive, the shortest segment of that drive after we had broken it all up. This one was 336 miles. The last one was 500 miles exactly, and the one before that from E-Town to Iowa was 552 miles. So this was our shortest day on the road. I think it was just under five and a half hours since we had the camper hooked up. Traditionally, it normally would have been about a four to four and a half hour drive, but it was... I mean, North Dakota is, it would, at the time, the weather was just beautiful. I mean, like 75 degrees, sunny, a light breeze. I, you couldn't ask for better weather. We stopped at a Love's and I mean, it was, uh, Love's are a must stop. If you're on the road, Love's, Flying J, uh, what's the other one? Um, Pilot. If you're at any of those truck stops, those are must stops over just the traditional old gas station, especially if you're pulling a camper. Those are lifesavers because they're always big enough for a truck to be able to enter it. So that was really cool. Uh, After we got out of the Loves, we just kept going west. And then that took us to Bismarck, which is the capital of North Dakota. And Bismarck is really where I think you take the only turn in I-94. You take that turn. It's like this big bend that you do. And then you go back straight again. And uh, you pass Bismarck's really big capital building. They have one of the biggest capital buildings in the country. Uh, so that was really cool. And after that, I mean, you're basically kind of doing the same thing. On I-94, you just stay west. North Dakota is actually the third least populated state uh, in the country. So it is a very sparse population. Everyone is kind of few and far between. I think might maybe only having, I'd say, 800-something thousand people in the state. It's it's really, like, kind of crazy. There Not a lot of people live there. But continuing on I-94... We just stayed west on that. You pass a small town called Dickinson, and then you drive past actually North Dakota's most touristed town, which is a, I'll talk about this town in the next episode, but go past Medora, North Dakota. Then we arrived at our campground right next to our stay and where we will be heading next episode at Theodore Roosevelt National Park. The last trivia question of the day. Here we go. Question number four. Another true or false question. True or false. 26th president of the United States, Theodore Roosevelt, was originally from the state of North Dakota. The answer is false. Although there is a national park named after him in this state, he is from the state of New York. He initially came to the state on a bison hunt, but ended up staying longer when he recognized the beauty of the area. What about that one? Did you get it correct? If you struggled with today's trivia, no worries. This will be a thing of the future, and I'm sure you will do better next time. So how did you do for the whole show? You can send me DMs, or if you have my phone number, text me personally and tell me how you did out of the possible four questions and what you thought about this concept, or maybe if I need to maybe make my questions easier or harder or just whatever you think uh, the case may be, just let me know. Uh, I'd love to hear your feedback by that, but I hope you enjoyed. That brings us to the end of this episode and gives you all a very clear look at what we will be diving into with our next episode. Theodore Roosevelt National Park is where to next. I'm super excited to continue to bring you all along this journey with this road trip. 
I want to thank all of you for joining me today. I can't ever say that enough. If you all are enjoying this podcast and enjoyed this episode, please do me a favor by subscribing to this podcast, leaving me a rating and review, and telling your friends and family about me and what I have going on here. I love you all so much. I hope you have a great rest of your week, and I can't wait for you to join me when I show you where to next.